You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of La La Land. You're fired. It's Christmas. Yeah, I see the decorations. Good luck in the new year. I just heard you play, and I wanted. It's pretty strange that we keep running into each other. Maybe it means something. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so. You could just write your own roles, you know, write something that's as interesting as you are. What are you going to do? I have my own club. Is that going to happen every time? I think so. How are you going to be a revolutionary if you're such a traditionalist? You're holding on to the past, but jazz is about the future. Maybe I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. Maybe I'm not. It's like a pipe dream. This is the dream. It's conflict and it's compromise. It's very, very exciting. All right, everybody. So that was the trailer for La La Land. It is currently the best picture front runner for this year's Oscars. Got a tremendous amount of buzz around it right now. But what do we think of it here on the next Best Picture podcast? Well, to help me find out, I am being joined by Michael Schwartz. Hey. And Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. And the story for La La Land goes that Mia is a struggling actress living in Los Angeles who meets a struggling jazz musician named Sebastian. The two romantically fall in love and attempt to pursue their dreams amidst a harsh world in this modern-day musical. The cast includes Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, John Legend, Rosemary DeWitt, and J.K. Simmons, and it is written and directed by Damien Chazelle, who some of you may know from his previous film, Whiplash. Let's hand it off to Michael first because I know he's been dying to talk about this one. Michael, what did you think of La La Land? I mean, come on. This movie is wonderful. This is such a daring movie that tries for so much and for the most part accomplishes most of it, lands on its feet. I am in awe of this movie. Even if after one viewing... I'm not going to go as far as to call it my favorite movie of the year right away. I'd like to see it again. But my God, is this up on the list of the best things I've seen so far this year? Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are wonderful. Three, two, one. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are wonderful here. The songs are great. The visuals are extraordinary. It plays with different tones in such a unique way. Uh, I loved, loved, loved this film. All right, and Kristen? I enjoyed this a lot. Um, I'm a big classic film fan, so for me, Damien Chazelle gets a lot of the references that I enjoyed. He definitely gets the tone of kind of classic 1940s, 1950s romances right in the beginning and the end. Um, That opening sequence is cut straight from something like Singing in the Rain, his finale is essentially an American in Paris. The storyline is effectively the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. 
and I love I love Emma Stone. I like her far more. I think she has a more compelling story than Ryan Gosling does. Ryan Gosling's um, character is a bit too broy. Like my dreams are important, and I have even though they're not effective. And why are you persecuting me for selling out? Um, type of thing. My only problem is the middle. Um, I think Ch- Giselle doesn't understand how to keep the musical conceit going once the characters are in the won't they phase of their relationship, which you can do a musical about the demise of a relationship. It's been done. Um, So there's a nice stretch of the film where there is no song and dance. And I think that really drags down the momentum. Um, And the fact that these characters seem very isolated, even though they live in Los Angeles, um, and part of this is that it's supposed to be a fairy tale depiction of L.A., they seemingly have few friends or relatives or any other people that they converse with at any point in the movie. Um, so there were some things that I think, you know, he kind of compromised on for either budgetary or maybe narrative reasons. Um, and that middle just really frustrates me because I think it's two thirds of a perfect movie. But that middle portion, when he just tells a very basic story kind of ruins the magic that this movie's built on. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed this. I also really enjoyed this as well. I am in awe of Damien Chazelle's talent as a director. I think that he is daring. I think that he is completely out of his mind. I say that in the nicest way possible because there are times where I think that his reach does exceed his grasp a little too much here. And his direction may get a little... Uh, it's a little too overbearing at times. Um, it almost seems like he has all these dreams about filmmaking, these visions, and all these ideas that he probably writes down in a notebook. And when he got when he had the time to make La La Land, he probably just said, I'm going to take every idea I have in my brain and I'm going to find a way to make it work on the screen somehow. I'm just going to find a way to get to get this color palette. I'm going to find a way to get this film stock. I'm going to find a way to get this camera move. I'm going to I'm going to just find a way to throw it in there somehow, some way. And it's audacious. It's audacious. It is just exciting. It's exhilarating. And it's also just a little too much at times for me, uh, which is why when the film does get to the middle, I I actually enjoy the middle. I, I actually am one of those people that didn't mind it as much because I felt it was I felt it was more grounded. And even though the story is very, very simple, it's a very simple story. It's not a complex story that needs a lot of depth or analysis. It's all about dreamers, broken dreams of reality, and trying to live in a dreamlike world, essentially, where y- you know you're gonna romantically fall in love, you're gonna hopefully you know live this life of happiness ever after, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in many ways, I had many callbacks to like Casablanca and the relationship that Bogart has with um uh uh, uh what the hell's but Bergman, thank you. I I don't know what I was gonna say, but anyway. Bergman and so this idea that these two are together it's the happiest time of their lives and yet somehow some way they are just pulled apart inevitably um 
and yet the audience wants them to stay together and you know deep down that they do and always will love each other. I found that that to be compelling because ultimately what Giselle is commenting on is he's commenting on the death of romanticism. He's commenting on how the world in its cynical and dark nature is swallowing up romanticism and dreamers. And we can't any longer live in a society where we raise our children to be dreamers. Everything's got to be, this is the way the world, it's cold and it's harsh and it's going to swallow you whole and this is just the way the world, yada, 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 yada. And that's exactly what Mia experiences when she goes into these auditions. She's just full of life and she's ready to take on the world and she's just so just energetic and lovely and she's just amazing. But yet the world doesn't give a shit. Does not give a shit. And I thought that that was very, very, very powerful for such a simple story. I think that that's... I applaud his effort. And that's where I think that he wants to equalize their stories, uh, Mia's and Sebastian's. But effectively, he's putting them on a very unequal playing field where the stakes are markedly different for her, <laughs> which is kind of what I was surprised at, you know, that she's doing these auditions and she's not really subjected to a lot of the harsh realities of acting as a woman. You know, the concept that she's not five six with big tits and, you know, blonde hair. Um, I mean, the worst thing that she experiences is that somebody interrupts her during an emotional scene, which Chiselle said that he actually took from a story that Ryan Gosling experienced. Um, so I, I, I find his effort to be admirable, but when he's talking about dreaming and all of that, it seems like he believes that both of those characters are playing on a level playing field. And that's that's where I feel uh, Emma Stone's character is better because when Sebastian goes on these whole when when he has that third act switch about or that's you know mid midpoint where he's like, "Oh, I'm going to sell out and this is what you wanted." That concept, it's a very gendered. I think that that's kind of the big problem I have with the middle is that it falls very much on gendered expectations told from the dominant gender's person point of view. I did think that their fight, their argument, quote unquote, um, I did feel that it came out of seemingly nowhere um, in a way. And I also didn't buy it. And I also, aside personal technical note, I really hated the way that that scene was edited. I really hated the extreme close-ups and the cutting back and forth between the two faces. Um, on each line that they had with each other. Uh, that just really annoyed me on a personal level. There were some some technical aspects that kind of irked me as well that I think could have been fixed in post. That, that was one of them. Um, the opening scene, the opening musical number, I don't know if maybe it was my speakers in the theater that I saw it in, somebody could tell me, but I, I've listened to the song on Spotify and it seems to have a similar problem as well. The score overpowers the, the the lyrics of the characters singing. So for yeah. me, I'm trying to hear the, the singers sing, 
and I can't hear them because the score is just so loud. And I was like, someone needed to equalize that a little bit better. But Kristen, because it's a musical, it's going to win Best Sound Mixing at the Oscars, don't you know? And I would be like, you know, Chazelle obviously didn't see what made those 1940s, 1950s musical works, is that you could actually hear the power of somebody's voice. Now, somebody that's different than me complaining about whether Stone and Gosling have strong voices. They don't, and that's fine. You don't need to be Adele, you know, belting these songs. Um, but you do kind of need to give the actors all the help you can get, which you shouldn't be drowning them out with the score. Even though the score is great, it just seems like somebody was a little too in love with that at the beginning of the, the movie. You know what? I will say that it, it does drown out portions of the first song. But it really gets a lot better as it goes along. I didn't feel it was too overbearing. It doesn't come back, which is why it stands out. Almost like somebody forgot to go back and fix that. Yeah, so, I mean, if it did end up winning uh, the Best Sound Mixing Oscar, which I actually predict it will, as most musicals do, I'm not going to say it's a bad win because it's actually very impressive uh, the rest of the time. It's just that one scene that feels uh, ignored. Um, I will say this in regards to Gosling and Emma Stone's singing here. I know that Emma Stone can sing much better than she was given uh, the opportunity to do so in this movie. And she does prove that in her final song in the film, uh, where she has her Anne Hathaway and Les Miserables uh, moment. With with remarkably less snot and like sadness and probably <laughs> yeah. horrific diseases. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh, but Gosling, no, I, I, I know why he was cast, and I know that him and Emma Stone have this modern day classical on screen chemistry that evokes old Hollywood uh, romance chemistries of the past. But I just, I, I often ask myself, could we have gotten a different actor to play this role, not just for the acting aspect, but just for the singing i i i you, you'd I, have I preferred did. miles teller <laughs> no 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 oh god no. i don't know if i could have liked this movie as much if no it were him. but <laughs> what i am getting at here is i do wish that we got uh songs that i know that these songs were if i recall weren't these songs written specifically for um people that didn't necessarily have like the the, the greatest singing chops necessarily i mean they must have been Right. Well, that's sort of the thing of the movie that it's they're not singers; they're just people going about their days, which is the throwback to uh, the Jacques Demy films, the uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg and Young Girls of Rochefort. So these are people just going about their lives who occasionally break into song. So yeah, it's supposed to be that they don't have the greatest voices; they're just people who sing. Yeah, I I, I wish that I wish that he had just either gone, you know, full blown as 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 crazy as the opening and the ending of the film are i wish that that had just been remained consistent throughout or if he wasn't going to do it which he chose not to do here like i said and i kind of do like the middle section of the movie because of that it is more like i said grounded as a result in his direction feels a lot tighter uh there then i don't know it just like did it, did he really have to indeed make this a musical then I, i'm just this is the thing that's this is the thing that's been bothering me about the film overall, and that is simply this: is that Damien Chazelle is wickedly talented, but he's still inexperienced at the end of the day when it comes to directing films. Well, I don't know that it's fair to say that as a criticism, because honestly, as someone from me, as someone who loves musicals with a passion, it sounds as if 
people, and I've heard this argument before, what you're saying, it sounds as if it's coming from people who don't necessarily love musicals, and they're looking at it more from just a narrative point of view, saying, if it didn't need this, why does it have this? You know? As, as somebody who watches a lot of old musicals from the 40s and 50s, I can see where he's going with, and we've seen a th- throwbacks to that golden era this year with Hail Caesar, which, yeah. I, I, you know, uh, tr- throws back to more of the backstage shenanigans than anything else. This is trying to evoke a feeling, you know, and you feel it in that opening scene when characters start, or that cinemascope, you know, logo that comes up. Um you know, characters randomly start bursting into song, and he's trying to convey characterization and all of that through the singing, and it works really good for, like, the first half of the movie. And then you realize why he casts the two that he casts, because that middle portion requires good actors who can sell that that middle where things are getting shitty between the two of them and and it works wonderfully i mean emma stone and ryan gosling have some great chemistry that they've cultivated over several movies at this point um and then you get that third act where he returns to a musical conceit i think the problem is is that people who say why did he make it a musical at all it's because he doesn't maintain that conceit he needs to either commit fully or he needed to make this a straight narrative because I think the people that don't like musicals are gonna see are gonna notice that middle act is the best part. The people that do love musicals are gonna say, "Why is that middle part there if he's not committed fully to presenting a musical?" So he's trying to please all comers and not pleasing any of them. But over, I mean, what we're presented with is really good. I mean, I I I think a lot of my issues are from somebody who's watched stuff like Kiss Me Kate or Swing Time or Top Hat, you know, the choreography is not that complex. Anybody can do those dance scenes. I wanted big dance sequences where you're questioning how these characters are able to move their bodies in a certain way. Um, but at the same time, I don't... But these aren't dancers, necessarily. No, but again, you that's the question you have to... He has to answer. Is he trying to make a throwback? Or not. And I think that he doesn't answer that question. I think he's trying to make a modern day musical with classical throwback references. Would be the obvious answer that I guess also doesn't answer the question. Yeah, and and, and, and I think he, he makes concessions for it a lot. And I think that's what we're kind of walking around is that he's making concessions in a lot of ways. You know, the the John Legend character saying, you know, jazz is about being uh revolutionary but you're a conformist. Well, the classic films of the past, you know, people want to emulate them while also acknowledging that they're dated, you know, in terms of depictions of women, which Chazelle doesn't fix any a lot of those problems. Um, so, I mean, it's... He's still not able to make, I think, a perfect ho- old, you know, Hollywood throwback, but he gets pretty damn close. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, he, he doesn't always hit the mark, in my opinion, but like I said, his ambition is purely admirable. Yeah. I, I, I'm in all, like I said, I'm in awe of him and what he's ultimately trying to achieve with this film. Now, moving over to technical aspects a little bit more here, my biggest, uh, biggest, 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 biggest positive win column here 
goes to the cinematography of this movie. I think that this movie is stunning in use of its color, its lighting, and the way the camera moves. My God. All throughout, but especially in the finale. I mean, listen, unless if Rodrigo Prieto uh, really knocks me on my ass for silence, I I think this might be my favorite cinematography of the entire year. Regardless of how I think Chazelle himself handles the scenes in terms of their tone, the way they flow one right into each other, there's no denying the visual aesthetic of this movie. No denying. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, my favorite cinematography of the year right now, too. And I'll probably stay that way. Yeah. Look, I understand some of the criticisms that you have uh, here and there, and uh, some of them are true, I'll say, but I was willing to overlook just because I was having such a good time getting so caught up in the story and the music, and look, it's a musical. I'm always going to love this type of story. But that's the thing that Kristen was saying earlier, is that people that love musicals, because you guys don't get them so often, anytime even reasonably good one comes along... It might as well be, you know, it, it might as well just be the greatest movie ever at that point because it managed to fulfill that little that little itch that you've been having. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'll fully admit that. They come along every couple of years, and then when you finally get them, you're just so happy to have it sometimes. Yeah. It's a, it's a treat. Yeah. Like I said, I can't I, – I, I, and listen, I like a good musical as well because at the end of the day, music is something that unites us all as humans. I think every human being on the planet loves music to some degree or another. So there's a lot of joy to be found watching a musical. Um, I've never watched a musical where I said that the music itself was terrible. I may have not liked the film, but I've never seen a musical movie where I was like, oh, I really just hated the music. No, you music is a very universal language here. So I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say that, you know, I'm 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 a musical fanboy, um, and because of that I'm gonna overlook certain things about the movie, but I'm also not gonna say that I hate this movie either. I definitely don't. I I just have to acknowledge that it is not a masterpiece and it is also not perfect. Because let me tell you. Coming out of the festival film circuit and seeing some of the reactions that this film was getting, that was the word on this movie. And I'm sure that that buzz has still managed to carry itself over a little bit, and people might be hearing that about this. And all I'm trying to do is just temper expectations just a little bit, so hopefully when they do walk out of this, it meets their expectations, and they can love it just as much as I still, as much as I sound like I'm coming off like I didn't like the movie, I still did love it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to admire, you know, individually, I think. That that scene on the, the 105 in the beginning of the movie is a feat of wonderment <laughs> that they were able to shut down an L.A. freeway and film that um, and make it look so fantastic. Um, you know, the I love any movie that, even though I think the hipster sheen kind of uh, is on it, you know, they, they watch Rebel Without a Cause, and Mia wears the red jacket, that's the James Dean jacket. Um, yeah. They go, to, they go to Griffith Observatory, but there are so many individual moments that are just dropped at beautiful that I was mad that the movie wasn't perfect. When I say that the, the middle is kind of a failure for me, it irritates me because this movie is so good with, you know, b- before and after that. Um, 
and and I I just wish that maybe if Chiselle maybe had some more time. Uh, again, you can do a musical about uh, the demise of a relationship. If anybody's seen something like The Last Five Years, which is a, a great musical that's told 98% in song, um, you can do it. And I wish that maybe he had tried to stretch himself just a skosh more. But compared to this and like Neon Demon, LA as the star, I love any movie that presents LA in. Positive or negative light, because I love L.A., um, this probably shows the L.A. that we wish we had and that probably never really was. <laughs> but it, it looks, I mean, there are parts of L.A. that look horrendous. And this movie shows that it's, you know, this beautiful landscape of Hollywood history, which it is, but it films everything very beautifully. Uh, one other thing I will also say, too, about the film as something that, it didn't so much bother me. It didn't really so much annoy me um, because this is just the way that the film is. And, you know, there's no, nothing to really change about it necessarily. And I don't even know if my criticism here would have made the film better. But I would have liked to have seen more of a supporting standout performance from one of the, you know, three or four supporting people that are in this film. Whether it be J.K. Simmons, Rosemary DeWitt, John Legend. I would have liked to have seen somebody maybe get a little bit more to chew on as far as just being a part of the film. Because this is truly the Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone show at the end of the day, and it really doesn't belong to anybody else. To the point where I I almost started asking myself, like, what, why did we even need to have um, supporting characters in this movie that were, you know, cast... Uh, with, like, why, like, why J.K. Simmons? If anything, he's distracting because you're expecting him to be more than what he is in this. No, I mean, it's just a, in a way, it's a fun reference to Whiplash, but in another, it's just he wants to be a part of this project, and here he is for two minutes. I just think it's a waste of J.K. Simmons. Nah, it's just, you know, a little cameo. Hmm. What do you think, Kristen? Um, I mean, I that was kind of my issue, is that I wanted to see a supporting cast because... One of the things that, again, really irked me in terms of gender portrayal is they have no friends. I mean, she has roommates. She has roommates. Yeah. Um, one of whom is the girl from Ex Machina. And I was like, oh, you're here. That's nice. Um, and he's got a sister played by Rosemary DeWitt. But they never see these people outside of one or two scenes. And so when, you know, Emma Stone is in the apartment while Ryan Gosling's out and about, I was all, she just sit at home all day and not call any of her friends and just pine for him and go to auditions and just sit at home. I, I kind of, it felt very isolating, especially for her. And that's where I was kind of wanting to see if we were going to go down the route of like, oh, you know, he's out on the road, you know, kind of like the rock star lifestyle. He's, I don't know. I think having some supporting cast was necessary because these characters, it makes the relationship look toxic. Interesting. That's an interesting take on it. Uh, quick question for each of you. Uh, favorite song in the movie? I have hmm, uh, My favorite. Oh, go on. Go ahead, Kristen. Uh, I was going to say, I have been binge listening Another Day of Sun. That is kind of my, my go-to. Um, audition is a very close second. I think my favorite individual song just to listen to on the soundtrack might be uh, Someone in the Crowd. That's a good one. But my favorite performance in the movie was A Lovely Night. 
Uh, someone in the crowd is probably my favorite to listen to. Um, as far as its use in the, in the film, and I, I, there's no denying, I think Emma Stone's moment with audition. It that's just that that that's the scene that wins her the Oscar, hands down. If she does win, I think she will. Well, well, that's going to lead us now into final thoughts, grade out of ten, and Oscar potential. So. Michael, if you want to continue that thought gear with any final thoughts and that Oscar potential and that grade. I'll be the first to admit I'm definitely looking at this film subjectively just in terms of uh, yeah, enjoyment. But I know we're also looking to see the quality of a film. And we talked about the reception out of festivals. Even for a minor hiccup here and there, I'm willing to forgive. I think this is a terrific film. That will only grow to be better in my mind as I go to see it again. I can't wait to go back and see it on an even bigger screen when it gets a wide Christmas release. Uh, so, even those small little things aside, I'm going big on this one. I think I'm going to have to go the full 10 here. For La La Land. And in terms of Oscar prospects, you know, this is just going to sweep across the board, I think. We're going to get Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress for Emma Stone, possibly Best Screenplay for Damien Chazelle, and then a ton of texts. You have Cinematography, Production Design, Costume Design, Sound Mixing, Best Original Song, Best Score. What am I missing? Anything else that I think of here? Mm, did you say film editing? Uh, film editing, there we go. We're talking like at least seven, eight Oscars here out of maybe 13 nominations even. So this is huge. This is the movie that we've been talking about since September. I'm so happy to have seen it and can't wait for everybody to finally check it out. All right, Kristen, what do you think? Uh, I really enjoyed this as, again, a classic film fan who loves stuff like Meet Me in St. Louis and Swing Time and all of that. This is probably the closest that we've gotten to somebody trying to mimic that exactly. So I enjoyed this a lot. I have this down for picture, director, actress. I'm just quickly scrolling through. Uh, original screenplay, production design, cinematography, costume, editing, sound mix, score, original song. So I have it in a lot. I think most of most of the big categories. Um, overall, I give this an 8 out of 10. And in a shocking twist, even though I was so quick to point out many flaws about the movie, Michael, sometimes a film does also win me over as well. And I will say this, upon reflection, I did rate this a little bit higher. I was leaning towards the 8. I went up to a 9. Because a 10 out of 10 for me is way too damn much. Uh, and like yeah. I said, it ain't no masterpiece and it ain't perfect. So the 9 out of 10 will have to do here. And let me tell you, it's a good company for me this year. I've given a, a couple of films a 9 out of 10 this year. And I think that they are very, very deserving. They are films that I would consider to be just below the level of masterpiece. So La La Land is one of the best films of the year. It's going to make my top 10. I'm telling you right now. As much as I had some to criticize about it, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is only one criticism, and that is I think Damien Chazelle's direction is a little too flashy and a little too scattered for the movie. And I think that's also maybe also because his direction in Whiplash, which is much tighter, much more focused, I think I prefer that a little bit more here. So 
that's fine. It's a totally different type of film in this regard. This is a full blown out musical. And I really admire everything that it is that he is trying to do here. So kudos to him. I'm very, very happy for all the success that has brought him so far and will continue to bring him throughout the rest of the award season. And with that said, Oscar prospects, I have it getting nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Original Screenplay, Cinematography, Production Design, Costume Design, Sound Mixing, Original Song, Score, and Film Editing. I do think that Ryan Gosling misses the Best Actor nomination. I agree. I don't have him in mind. You know what? I didn't mention him uh, because I was just naming what I think would win. But I do see him getting nominated, actually. It would be a coattail nod if if they do include. Because he just doesn't have... uh, He's good, but he's good. That's it. Yeah, he's not great. I I think we're all going to disagree here. But I think it's uh, my favorite performance of his. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. No way. Yeah, I know. That's no. just that's just me speaking. I know it's not for everyone in the group. But. I mean, it's likable and he's charming, you know, and how can you deny watching Ryan Gosling dance and, you know, do the things that he does in this movie? You know, he's I get likable until he's not. And maybe that's a woman's perspective. He's likable until he falls into the trap of like being a dude in a movie. <laughs> that's why we love to have you here, Kristen. You make us think a little differently. <laughs> So, with that said, 9 out of 10, all that Oscar potential, one of the best films of the year. I mean, we're all in agreement with that for the most part, I would imagine here. Kristen, I'm not exactly 100% sure with that 8 out of 10 score, but, uh, I mean, we're all positive on it, which is a good thing. So, if it does win Best Picture, it's probably going to win Best Picture. I mean, none of us are going to be necessarily upset by it. We're, we're pretty much upset. expecting it, too, at this point. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait for this to win Best Picture. It'll be the first musical since Chicago in 2002. Yeah, absolutely. We don't consider we don't consider the art. Well, I guess because they don't sing in the artist. There's but. a lot of music element in it, but it's a silent film at the end of the day. Yeah, the artist is not a musical. That's definitely. A silent I, I film. think I think this will win in the same way. I think that this is the artist for 2016. That's how I've been comparing it. Both of them being almost fully committed throwbacks to a particular brand of film. Uh, Hollywood loves honoring itself in these ways. So for me, it's going to win and it'll be everybody who bitched about the artist winning will bitch about this winning. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that said, that is our review for La La Land. Michael, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me over on Twitter at Mike Movie. And Kristen, where can they find you? I am at journeys underscore film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture, part of nextbestpicture.com. Feel free to listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, and Player FM Radio. Thank you so much always for listening. And if you feel so inclined, please drop us a review on iTunes. We would really, really appreciate it. Thank you once again for listening, and we will see you all next time. Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. 
We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.